Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. I jumped the gun. It's only 6.59. Start early, end early. Welcome to everybody. Anybody here for the first time tonight? Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to anybody joining us on <clears throat> online on Zoom for the first time. I like to start <clears throat> start class by asking you to talk to each other in service of against the stream being a community where you actually build some community where you can actually meet, connect. Um, a lot of Buddhist groups, Buddhist meditation groups, my experience with them over the years, many years, decades of being part of Buddhist communities is that often you go in, you meditate, you hear a talk, you leave, and you never meet each other unless you sort of are one of those extroverts that introduces yourself to people. Um, so for many years, I've been trying to start class by having you, uh, you know, to help the introverts <laughs> uh, connect. And um, I try to connect it with the topic of the um, talk for tonight. Tonight, I'm going to talk about um, this, the reality, the situation of... Um, that maybe maybe we could frame it as the first noble truth, the suffering in the world, the suffering of existence, the um, you know why why life is not easy and pleasant, and why people aren't wise and compassionate. Um, so we're going to talk about the suffering in the world tonight. So my question for you, the topic for you to discuss with each other is, uh, what is it that you find? most difficult or or difficult about uh, existence what's challenge what you know what, what are the challenging parts for you about being a person in this world um you know wh why aren't you happy all the time why aren't you just at peace why aren't you content and joyous and free all the time what gets in the way? Uh, if you say anything other than your own mind, you're wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. It can be, it doesn't have to be your own mind. It can, you know, can be the situation, you know, social, political reality of ongoing ignorance and oppression in, in the world that makes it difficult. Um, and we'll talk about that tonight. So uh, find three people that you don't know and talk to them about what makes it difficult for you to be happy. All of uh, Buddhism's aim, goal, intention is to uh, teach us how to not suffer, end suffering. Um, one of the confusing things about this is that often we um, conflate or confuse pain and suffering as the same thing. 
Buddhism does not end pain. Suffering, when we use the term suffering as uh, an extra layer that we add on top of pain, or sometimes that we uh, uh, create pleasure, we, we turn pleasure also into suffering. It's the simple equation is uh, attachment, any form of clinging, craving or attachment creates suffering. And any kind of uh, resistance, lack of acceptance, lack of compassion for pain creates suffering. And so our meditation technique, I mean, there's, there's much more to Buddhism than just meditation, but this is a meditation class. It's part of what we do here. But our meditation technique is all with the aim of how can we learn to have compassion for our pain, to not create suffering around pain, knowing that pain is a given, it's unavoidable. And even just in our sitting meditation, um, being uncomfortable is uh, useful. Uh, you know, I hope your ass hurts tonight. I hope your knees hurt. Because um, it's when we turn towards and investigate our relationship to discomfort that we can start the process of ending suffering around discomfort, suffering around pain, physical, emotional, mental. And so the whole, the whole Buddhist picture is we have to accept that the, there's so many unpleasant aspects to being alive. I don't know if anybody answered, you know, it's pain that's the problem when I said, you know, what's the, what makes life difficult? It's all the pain. And fair enough for all of us, all of the unpleasantness that we have to experience, the mental states, the emotional states, the physical uh, pain that we, you know, makes it difficult. And this is where Buddhism as an intervention teaches us how to meet our pain with kindness, with friendliness, with compassion, with mercy, with forgiveness. And the end of suffering, nirvana, enlightenment, uh, is becoming compassionate towards pain and non-attached, non-addicted, non-clinging to pleasure as the kind of two main, main skills, intervention skills that we need to develop. Left to our own, uh, the untrained mind, the uh, clings all by itself, craves for pleasure. Our survival instinct is constant craving. Noticed? that uh, aversion to pain is natural it's normal it's not your fault it's not personal it's not a lack of ethics or morality or it's just a um it's something we're, we're not born with compassion for our own pain it's counter to our survival instinct it's why the buddha said this path goes against the stream it's an act of rebelling against the status quo of create, you know, the way that our human mind just creates suffering, how the body just creates suffering. But the good news is that with training, renunciation, and development of, of wisdom through meditation, um, we can start to alleviate the unnecessary levels of suffering in our life. And um, so that's what we do here. Welcome to everybody. Welcome back. And uh, we'll have a period of about 30 minutes of sitting meditation. I'll offer some instructions. Find a way to sit that's upright, that's relaxed. Establish a posture that feels sustainable, but also 
with the willingness to be uncomfortable even in the posture. You don't have to be comfortable the whole time, but find a place that's mostly sustainable. And as you allow your eyes to be gently closed and your posture adjusted to what feels like it's appropriate for stillness, soften and release any unnecessary tension that the body's holding. And establishing an attitude of loving kindness, of friendliness. Perhaps using our meta, our loving kindness phrases from last week, saying to yourself as we begin, I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you to yourself. The intention to meet our mind, our heart, our body with a loving awareness. It's that kind of loving attitude that is accepting, that is patient, that is forgiving. I love you from the wisest part of your heart to every aspect of your being. I have always loved you that wise part of the heart and mind that's always been here, present, compassionate. However inaccessible that loving attitude has been at times, always here, part of our true nature. And the commitment of I will always love you to yourself. I will always Try to be friendly and patient, accepting, tolerant, forgiving of our own minds, this loving action of self-acceptance. The traditional meta phrase, is even more simple, simpler. We just say to ourselves, may I be at ease, radiating a sense of goodwill. May I be at ease with myself, just as I am, this mind, this body. And from the intention of love and kindness, establish mindfulness, present time, non-judgmental awareness of the body, the first foundation of mindfulness.
all of the sensations of contact with the chair, the cushion, how your hands are resting in your lap. And then bringing attention to the body breathing. How do you know that you're breathing? Where do you experience the breath? Where do you feel it? Disengaging from the thinking mind. Let the thoughts be in the background. Direct your full attention to your body, sitting, breathing. The mind is the realm of hope and fear, future and past. Present time, embodied awareness with this attitude of loving kindness. friendliness and acceptance of yourself just as you are in this moment. And keep it simple for a few minutes, just breathing in, know that you're breathing in, breathing out. Feel the sensation of the exhale. Receiving the sensations that the breath creates at the nostrils, the chest, the belly. Each time the mind starts planning, worrying, fantasizing, disengage, come back to the present, come back to the next breath over and over.
learning to ignore the mind. That's the first step, disengaging, coming back to the breath, breaking our addiction to our views and our opinions, our hopes and fears, resentments. Come back to the present over and over. You'll find some relief for letting go of the past, letting go of the future and just being present one breath at a time. Uh, Buddha's instructions continue from the first foundation, awareness of the body, the breath. Inviting us to bring awareness to the feeling tone of our experience, what we're perceiving as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. As I said in the introduction, this is where we create most of our suffering, clinging craving for our experience to be more pleasant than it is or aversion resistance anger and fear of unpleasantness so right here in this present time experience what in your body is feeling unpleasant, bring your awareness directly to it. Try softening any tension that gets created around your pain. Soften your belly, your jaw, the brow. Breathe into, soften around discomfort with acceptance, with kindness, with as much compassion as you can in this moment. And you can expand from the narrow focus of the breath or the posture to your whole being present time, loving awareness of the emotions that are here, the thoughts that are coming and going, the sense doors, sound, sight, smell, taste. Expansive, inclusive investigation of what's happening and how it feels. What kind of thoughts are passing through awareness? And are they pleasant or unpleasant thoughts? What kind of emotions are present in the 
heart, mind. Joy, sorrow, sadness, loneliness. With the intention to meet it all with that open, loving acceptance, even our anger and fear, even our sorrow. As much as you can, moment to moment, let go of needing this moment, needing this experience to be any different than it is. Let go. Let the impermanent process of sensation, emotion, and thought just arise and pass, met by loving awareness bodhicitta and compassionate heart.
It's not the pain, it's our relationship to the pain. It's not the fleeting nature of pleasure, it's our clinging, our craving for pleasure. Seeing for yourself what's creating stress, uneasiness, suffering. It's not what's happening. It's how we're relating to what's happening. The more we develop wisdom, the more we see it's possible to be at peace, at ease. In the midst of whatever's unfolding with our pain, with our sorrow.
ending with a couple of minutes of extending this loving kindness to each other. May you be at ease. May you meet yourself with compassion, with appreciation. May you be free from suffering. The people that you spoke with in the small groups at the beginning, extending love, kindness, compassion to each other. And extending this outward in all directions, east and west, north and south. So we include this whole planet, all living beings, humans, animals, young, old. May all living beings develop wisdom and compassion, forgiveness for each other, for ourselves. May all living beings be at ease. As I said in the beginning, the whole point of the Buddha's teaching is to give us practical, applicable techniques, tools, ways of being to end suffering in our lives. And the teaching, the path um, begins by, uh, you know, with the Four Noble Truths, the, the first truth uh, by acknowledging the suffering that we experience and mindfulness bringing us into direct contact with, oh, okay, I see I'm craving, I'm attached, that's causing suffering. I'm aversive, I'm resisting what's happening, that's creating this extra layer on top of the already unpleasant I've got anger, I've got fear, I've got judgment. It shouldn't be this way. 
And I wanted to talk about um, the Buddhists perspective of the world that we live in, um, partially because I'm, um, you know, thinking about a lot, you know, lately, um, you know, just seeing it over and over in the kind of in the feed um, of what's happening in Palestine. And, and uh, um, I don't know, kind of question of like, why are humans so fucked up? Why, why, why are there so many wars? Why is there so many, so much oppression? Why is sexism normal? Why is racism normal? Why is war, homophobia, you know, why, why is there all of this ignorance and oppression that um, seems to just be the status quo and if we you know look at history seems to be kind of how it's always been and um i don't know about you but kind of i'm inquiring like why why how come how come people aren't kind and loving and compassionate and just and uh generous and why all the violence? Why all the oppression? Why all of the uh, harm that we cause to each other? Um, and so Buddhism does, you know, give us some answers. There's a Buddhist perspective on this that you may or may not agree with or like. Or... But I find it helpful. And it comes down to um, the individual coming back to seeing that, and you can see it directly, we can all see it directly in our own experience, our own um, inner reality of how our mind works and how our bodies uh, function of uh, craving for pleasure. You see that you always want pleasure all the time. It's normal, it's natural. It's um, you know, craving for pleasure, which has the flip side of aversion to pain. And um, the Buddha framed these as uh, greed and hatred. Now, greed sounds so big. But important for us to see, like, oh, no, I experience greed all of the time. And having that humility, greed is craving, is clinging, is not the big, like, I'm trying to accumulate massive wealth kind of greed, but just that I want to be comfortable. I want to have pleasure. I want something sweet <laughs> all the time. I want to be comfortable. I want to be accepted. I want to be, you know, and some, you know, there's some levels of that or that are not unhealthy. Some of our desire system isn't unhealthy. But so this is the second noble truth of Buddhism. The cause of all human suffering, and both that we experience personally, but also that we 
create in the world, the human suffering that we create in wars and in oppression and in all of the, has its roots in greed and hatred and delusion. And, you know, hatred sounds so like volitional and greed and hatred sound, greed, hatred, delusion, they all sound like you're doing something wrong on purpose, <laughs> right? Like it sounds so volitional, so like, uh, I'm, a, I'm greedy. Like I woke up this morning and I decided I'm gonna be greedy for pleasure and I'm gonna hate pain because I'm a nihilist and fuck the world. So I'm gonna just practice greed and hatred. But that's not, it sounds like that, right? We have this, it's easy to have this sort of judgment, but what Buddhism is teaching us is that actually we're just born, not them, us, all living beings are just born into a mind-body process that is fueled by craving for pleasure, aversion to pain, right? You see that, you know that, right? Like there's not much debate to be had about the fact is we're all in this survival instinct that craves for pleasure, that has aversion to pain. And, you know, delusion, lots of different ways to talk about delusion. The simplest way that I, I like to talk about it is just um, that self-centeredness that we all experience, that we take everything quite personal. And um, that delusional self, I, me, mind, thinking about ourselves. And again, not, not your fault that you think about yourself all the time. <laughs> It's not be just because you're a narcissist. And maybe some people are narcissists, but that's not, even if you're not a narcissist, self-centeredness is just the human condition. You, you know, when it's really imbalanced, then, you know, we call it narcissism, but everyone is self-centered. Every, you know, we just have this brain that's evolved in whatever level it's evolved to you know, be mostly concerned about our own survival and about our own experience. So we think about ourselves all the time and then we take everything personal and we suffer from the craving, the greed and the hatred and the self-centered delusion. Now, you learn a little bit of Buddhism, and maybe even before you learned Buddhism, you become aware um, that actually, even though we have greed, it doesn't—you don't have to become dishonest, and um, you know, uh, you don't have to turn it into a life of, you know, kind of unethical accumulation, because that's really when we think of greed, we think of like unethical accumulation rather than just i want pleasure all the time when when the buddha says greed he's just talking about like the human condition we all want pleasure all the time but we have the ability to have some renunciation and some ethics and some you know like yeah i want it but i'm not going to steal it i'm not going to kill for it i'm not going to smoke crack every day and ruin my life unless you do that <laughs> Thank you.
but of course I want pleasure all the time and I hate pain, you know, and not personal, not, um, but I'm not gonna, I don't hate pain so much that I'm going to, um, you know, do sort of violence and, uh, you know, create war and create, you know, uh, you know, I'm not gonna oppress people because I don't like being uncomfortable, right? We all have that. It's easy to be like, well, yeah, of course I hate pain and I love pleasure, but I'm not gonna hurt other people because of it. Mostly we can kind of all see like, well, we have that human ability to choose. Yes, the mind constantly craves. Yes, there's all this aversion, but also there's the ability to be ethical and to be honest and to be non-violent and non-harming. So I'm not going to let my cravings and my aversion and my self-centeredness become racism or become sexism or become warmongering. And, and because we know that we have that ability and, and you're choosing hopefully to not live that way, it can be hard to look at the world and be like, why are people, we don't have to live like this. We don't have to hurt each other. We don't have to be, uh ignorant around gender stuff or around race stuff or around we don't have to be ignorant around anything we can unlearn this so we can see through this is just craving and aversion and self-centeredness it's possible to be wise it's possible to be ethical it's possible to be kind and compassionate but it's not easy <laughs> the untrained mind, um, you know, becomes that self-centeredness and that delusion um, can, can become unethical and, and, um, and the history of, of our planet, of every culture. I mean, here we are in North America, uh, you know, on a, you know, as the results of whatever it is, five or 600 years of occupation and genocide of the native people. And you know, here we here we are in a, a culture where it's like, well, we were born into this, and it was, you know, most of us were born in into this culture um, with a history of based in greed and hatred and delusion, invasion, occupation, and genocide, and slavery, and sexism, and homophobia, and all of the isms and all of the ignorance here it is and we're part of it and rather than you know i think i feel like a lot of americans are like looking at israel and palestine being like oh i can't believe i can't believe people are this terrible but here we are right on in a pretty similar culture occupation genocide here we are the greed, hatred, and delusion of the human condition um, created some pretty fucked up cultures, created all of the colonialism, all of the greed that sent, you know, the English and the Dutch and the Spanish and the uh, Portuguese, you know, out around the world going like, how much can we get? 
how much shit can we take from other cultures? And, you know, all in that roots in craving. I want pleasure. I don't, you know, and that unethical craving that says, and I'll take it, you know, not, not with the wise renunciation of like, I want it, but I'm not going to go murder people for it. But there's history of people who are like very willing to go murder for accumulation of land, of pleasure, of I don't know about you, but when I think about this, and the Buddha did not really talk about this much, but I, I feel like I have a Buddhist-informed perspective um, about how now, now the, also this human condition of self-centeredness and craving and aversion and the insecurity of the uh, wanting to know what's going on, wanting a kind of... Um, Want, wanting a, a sense of security and knowing and a reliable kind of um, understanding of, of the world and of people, um, I think created all of the world religions. I'm quite convinced that human beings created religion rather than there being some sort of God that created religion <laughs> or created humans pretty sure that humans created all of the religious ideals and, um, you know, from the Greek philosophers to the monotheists to the polytheists and Hinduism, like all of these human beings saying like, well, it's like this. And there's these gods or there's this God or there's this one God or there's this, you know. And if, you know, when I look at the world, I see um, religion as a huge problem the greed and hatred and delusion of the human condition that became these power structures and these religious delusional ideas that have been you know more people been killing each other in the name of god than any other reason in history we kill each other because of our beliefs that aren't even fucking real it's not even true it's a bunch of made-up shit that we're murdering each other about whether it's islam or it's christianity or it's judaism or it's hinduism and and um you know and buddhism is not exempt i know i'm on my buddhist soup soapbox right now i'll say this for buddhism buddhism is the only religion that teaches complete nonviolence. buddhism teaches complete nonviolence. there's no Buddhist rationalization for war or oppression or any kind of violence in the teachings of the Buddha. That having been said, there's a bunch of Buddhists at war too. Burma right now, Buddhists murdering Muslims, oppressing internal war. Uh, Sri Lanka, Buddhists fighting uh, Hindus. World War II, Japan, Buddhists in Japan, you know, Pearl Harbor, which, you know, was just what, December last, last week, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, and, you know, the Japanese invasion of, you know, the whole Pacific Rim. Buddhists, those were Buddhists. <laughs> so I don't want to get too high on the, like, we're, we're the good guys, the Buddhists. Even Buddhists, greed, hatred, delusion, even in a religion that says 
nonviolence, compassion, generosity, equality, you know, like even with a religion that teaches wisdom, still the human ignorance has become warring and greeting. And so religion's a huge problem and it's not um, even, even why, even, and there's a lot of wisdom also in, in all of the religions and, I have a bunch of uh, Muslim friends would say like, hey, Islam is about peace. It's not about violence. But in the Quran, there's a whole bunch of justifications for violence. In the Bible, there's a whole bunch of justifications for violence. In you know, the Old Testament, there's a whole bunch of eye for an eye shit. And then we see these, why, why, you know, they're at war. Hey, it's fucking in our scriptures that sometimes war is a good thing. Hinduism, the Bhagavad Gita, sometimes you got to kill. Nowhere in Buddhism does it say sometimes you got to kill. It says actually all the time, don't kill. <laughs> no matter what, don't kill. Every other religion says, you know, sometimes you just got to fucking murder people. <laughs> it's part of our religion. They don't agree with you. They don't believe what you believe. Mm, fucking murder them. <laughs> But having I mean, said, even though Buddhism teaches radical nonviolence, Buddhists murder each other right? every day, probably. So even though it's against our belief system, their belief system of the kind of religious Buddhists, it doesn't stop. It hasn't created uh, nonviolence even in Buddhist countries. The Tibetans are an interesting example of a culture that was very violent the history of tibet um, is connected with like the um the huns the mongolians and the the high plain you know high um himalayan you know the hordes that, that at one point you know came and in you know made it all the way to europe the, you know kind of murdering and raping and killing and and the Tibetans were part of that culture. They were the horsemen of the kind of Himalayas and, you know, connected with the Huns in some way. And then they became Buddhist and, and, and this Buddhist culture in Tibet became nonviolent. And they had, you know, and it wasn't completely perfect. And there's a bunch of sexism. There's a bunch of races. There's a bunch of other forms of ignorance in the Tibetan culture. But they became nonviolent. And then China was just like, oh, fucking easy pickings. <laughs> they have all these resources that we want greed. And they don't even have a fucking army. Let's kill them. They have a, you have a, barely have an army. They're a bunch of nonviolent Buddhists. Buddhism is a terrible, uh, what is it, national defense or, you know, like, that's right. it's a, it's a bad strategy for, you know. <laughs> keeping the violent, greedy, confused people off of your shit. I said a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about this around how um, the Buddha lived in a time of war. And his response, because so I'm, I hope that I'm painting a bleak picture of humanity. Because it's pretty bleak, I think. And it's one of the reasons why the Buddha said, yeah, this world, he called it samsara, realm of suffering, 
of wandering through realm after realm of, of confusion and suffering and life to incarnation and incarnation. And, um, you know, in his experience of waking up, he said, it's possible to become compassionate and loving. It's possible. No matter what's happening, it's not about what's happening. It's not about whether there's peace in the world or there's war in the world. Uh, our happiness, our freedom is an internal response to what's happening, not about what's happening. And he came to that nirvana awakening and used his life after awakening to spread nonviolent teachings, to speak out against sexism, against racism, against war. He was an activist in that way. But in his lifetime, there was all these wars and he would go and try to protest. You know, I feel like there's a, uh, an encouragement to, to, for nonviolent protest in Buddhism. He would speak to the leaders. He had uh, a privileged position where people would listen to him because he came from royalty that he had renounced. So he would use his life's energy to, to speak out against all of the forms of oppression and ignorance that were happening. He didn't just say like, hey, it's like this, let's just accept it. He said, it's like this. Of course, acceptance is the you know, foundation. We don't wanna be acceptance as in the opposite of denial. We don't wanna be in denial, it's like this, but not acceptance as complacency. Now let's speak out against it. Let's educate, let's encourage, let's motivate, let's try to create a positive change. And he would speak out against war and he'd speak out against the racist caste system of his culture and the sexist inequality of his culture 2,600 years ago. And the core teaching of Theravadan Buddhism, of the early teachings of the Buddha, is that um, it's an inside job. Free yourself from ignorance, which I think includes some, you know, social, political, internal investigation of like, let me see the roots of racism in my own mind, how I've been conditioned with some racist views, kind of impossible not to be and looking at that, seeing the greed, seeing that repetitive craving that we all have, and the you know, temptation for not being ethical all of the time or not being honest all of the time. That's why there's so much emphasis put on renunciation, not lying, not stealing, not causing harm intentionally with our sexual energy, not using intoxicants, because you're so much more likely to lie, cheat, and steal if you've become intoxicated. So in service of our ethical commitment, practicing renunciation from any form of intoxication, recreational intoxication. So this inside job of we can get free with a understanding that like the we're not going to, uh, you know, war, we're not going to stop war. But we can end hatred in our own hearts. And the more of us that do it, the more positive change that we do create. And we should continue to speak out against the ignorance of war and all forms of violence and all forms of oppression. There's an activist encouragement, I believe, when we look at the example of Siddhartha's life. 
And a lot of Buddhism has departed greatly. You know, I, I was talking, uh, you know, religion, probably, I don't, I mean, who knows what Muhammad and Jesus really had to say, I and mean, who knows what the Buddha really had to say. But what we do know is that once power structures and churches and, you know, get created, we start to really lose the plot. I mean, all of the American Christians, <laughs> fucking laughable, that are just so homophobic and racist and greedy. And it's like, wait a minute, like, I thought you guys were into Jesus. The fuck are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's this have to do with Christianity? Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus was fucking righteous dude that was down for the poor. Y'all lost the plot. But, you know, we can, you know, talk shit about the Christians, easy target. But also we can talk shit about the Buddhists, same thing. Fucking, we just got back from Thailand. A bunch of us were there a few weeks ago. And, um, and there's pockets of Thai Buddhism that are super righteous and ethical. But like, you know, what's really happening is like, who can build the biggest gold Buddha statue? <laughs> Right, it's like total materialist, you know, like, what does this have to do with non-attachment, generosity, and compassion? Oh, you built a really big gold statue. Wow, that's amazing. There's people fucking starving to death, but you built a really cool gold statue. Proud of you, you're a terrible Buddhist. <laughs> you're a great Buddhist, I don't know. It's just fucking wild how twisted we get behind religion and how easy it is to lose the core tenets. The core tenets, which are free yourself from suffering, be kind, be generous, be socially and politically engaged towards what is righteous. And of course, like racism is just ignorance. Sexism is just ignorance. It's just ignorance. There's, you know, there's just no, you know, you can't do anything of this other than it's just ignorance. There's no justification for, but we also have to acknowledge, oh, I've got some of the seeds of that ignorance in my mind. I was conditioned in a sexist, racist culture. I can see where, you know, just growing up on 70s television fucked me up. Growing up in a Christian culture fucked me up. I can see that. I can take responsibility for it. And I can learn to respond differently and to unlearn that ignorance that was implanted in our, you know, all, all around the planet. <clears throat> So maybe some dialogue. What do you think about uh, what's going on here? I mean, I, maybe just last thing, I just want to say like that level of acceptance, this is the way it is here. And that level of commitment as I, the meditation instruction, I love you. I have always loved you. I will always love you. That commitment to love, to kindness, to compassion, to generosity, 
And it's not easy. It's, you know, it's easy to say those words, but the words are meaningless unless we really embody love. And there's this teaching where the Buddha says you could start because and it's kind of connected with our pervasive low self-worth of humanity, which I actually think is Christianity's fault, but um, that unworthiness that we all have. Somewhere along the line, you got confused about being born into sin, that there's something wrong with you. But the Buddha in one teaching says, you could search all realms of existence and never find anyone more worthy of your love and kindness than yourself. And so this instruction from last week that I'm sharing and that I'm encouraging, learning to really be loving towards ourselves. Now, the flip side of that, I believe, you know, he said it in that context, but I also believe that the, the flip side of this teaching is that you could search all realms of existence, all living beings, and never find anybody less worthy of love than yourself. And the, the, the reality is all living beings are worthy of kindness, are worthy of compassion, are worthy of love, no matter how ignorantly confused they have become. It's not a justification for hate. It's not a justification for uh, causing harm to any living being. And when we do use that as a justification, be like, well, I fucking hate you because you're a racist or you're a you know, anti-Semite or Islamophobe or whatever you want to justify our hatred of each other. We still have the karma. So there's no, there's no karma-free hatred. <laughs> if you hate, you have the karma of hatred, period. No matter how justified it feels. And so Buddhism has this radical encouragement to like, don't hate anybody create an attitude of love and kindness and compassion for all living beings from the most wretchedly confused to the wisest, most lovely beings you'll ever come across, right? The, the wise, lovely beings are easy. <laughs> That's low-hanging fruit, but learn to love Trump. You see that thing when Bush was president and everyone was hating on Bush, and then um, they made that movie. There's the Tibetan Buddhist perspective that just uh, because of reincarnation, we have all been each other's mothers in past lives. And then there was that, I forget what the movie was, but then there was that image of um, suckling at George Bush's breast. So next time you think about Trump, think about just breastfeeding that Trump was your mommy in a past life and he was a good mommy and he gave you lots of booby breastfeeding on Donald Trump's tits that's fucked up right now that's in your mind because in a past life rather than hating our moms having some appreciation, no matter how confused they have become in this incarnation. Questions, comments? 
Does anybody know that movie title? What was that? That was, um, what was the name? It was in it, Jason. Um, is it like somebody online was asking what the name of that movie was? Does anybody know what a, did I just make that up? Was that a hallucination? <laughs> no, it was a real thing. Um, I remember Robert Thurman was one of the Buddhist teachers that was like consultant on it. And it was Jason. Um, one of those guys i don't know sorry i don't remember the name um okay questions comments please tuma uh, oh. not eric <laughs> so you mentioned that the buddha says you can be free from suffering no matter the outside circumstances you also mentioned that he grew up during time of war it was also mentioned that he comes from very privileged background so it sounds to me like he wasn't on the front lines of these war situations. And I'm just curious as to, it's much easier probably to find a way to, you know, not sure. fall in suffering when you're not in the front lines being blown up every day. Yeah. And then I have a second question yeah. is, nonviolence, even when you're in the face of being attacked, to not defend yourself. And is that, an act of compassion, not defending yourself. Could you hear the question at home? He's close to me, so maybe you could. Okay. So it's a good question. And I have no, I, you know, I don't know what the actual situation was. The story is that the Buddha was um, the son of a king. So he would have actually been the um, the prince, well, he would have actually been the head of the army, and that he was actually trained in warfare. Um, and that he made a conscious decision to walk away from violence, or else he would have been on the front lines of that war. That he said, I, I'm not going to war. I'm not going to engage in violence. And he made a conscious decision to walk away from it. Now, and there, maybe also he had the privilege to do that. In that culture, you know, he was not from the Brahmin caste, which is like the highest sort of white privilege caste. He was from the warrior caste. Um, so he was meant to be violent. He was meant to be a warrior. But he said, I want happiness. I want freedom. I don't want power. And, you know, I don't want that. And he, wa he walked away from it. So it's an, it is an interesting question. Can we all walk away from it? And is there some privilege in walking away from it? Um, and I don't have the answer to that. And maybe for certain, some people it's easier. And then there's some kind of like, I remember this question when I was working in San Quentin and I was um, teaching Buddhism and meditation and I was doing my psychotherapy internship in San Quentin. And uh, one of my clients was one of the big white shot callers, like, you know, 250, like crazy big, um, six, five, like big dude, muscle dude. And he said to me, he's like, I'm really getting into this Buddhist stuff and I see how the meditation works, but in here, um, and, and I hear your teachings about nonviolence and he's like, but in here, when the race riot happens, which they do happen occasionally, he's like, I'm a, you know, I'm one of the leaders of my clique, the whites, you know, and um, I can't be nonviolent. If I don't, if I'm not out front fighting, my guys will kill me. 
So he's like, I, I would actually like to be nonviolent. I would like to change my life, but I'm in this culture, prison culture, where if I'm not out there swinging, I'm dead. Not from them getting me, but from my own guys getting me. And I said, yeah, dilemma. <laughs> what a fucking dilemma. I mean, I don't got all the answers. I said, but, um, you know, be creative, you know, like maybe you can, uh, you know, go out there and, you know, kind of fight some without trying, you know how to kill. This guy was actually in for murder. I was like, I know you know how to kill, but you can also go out there and, and intentionally not kill anybody. Maybe a little harm reduction in the violence. <laughs> you can go out there and you, you know, you can, you know, you know how to knock people out or stop the fight or, you know, but you can, you know, you can kind of bring back rather than having to go all the way to total nonviolence in a place where it's going to get you killed, you can figure out how to be less violent and hang back a little bit or, you know, not shank people and just fist fight or whatever it is. Um, he survived, you know, as far as I know, this was a few years ago, but he tried. He, and then I would talk to him over the years of our relationship and he'd be like, yeah, I'm just trying to minimize it and I'm not starting it the way I used to. And I'm talking more and I'm influenced by nonviolence, but I'm not completely nonviolent. When it comes to self-defense, um, I don't know if you, have, um, the Buddha's teaching is pretty pacifist. Okay, so I'm going to start with this. Uh, a lot of you have heard this. There's a teaching where the Buddha says, if you truly understand my emphasis on compassion, on loving kindness, on the karma that's created through violence, the importance of nonviolence. He said, if you're attacked and you're being held down by people who are going to rob you and cut off your arms and legs, if you truly have embodied my teaching, you will only radiate compassion for the ignorant and the terrible karma that these people are creating by the violence they're perpetrating on you. You will radiate loving kindness and compassion for these poor, confused fools that are creating rebirth and hell for themselves. <laughs> so that's pretty extreme. That's, that's a radical nonviolence, like let yourself be killed. My own sense, the only way that I can make sense of that is um, first try to defend yourself, right? Fucking kick them in the nuts, punch them in the throat, do what you need to do if they're going to kill, you know, they're really like defend yourself. But there's a line between self-defense and violence. You know, we think, well, anytime you punch somebody in the throat, that's violent. If they're really trying to cause you harm if it's just to stop the violence but you, you had that experience where somebody tries to attack you and you now you're just mad and you're not just trying to stop the violence now you really want to hurt them and you want to kick them in the face 10 times even though they're down that's violence <laughs> but there's an argument to be made for there is some level of a non-violent um kind of hands-on saying like I'm, I'm not gonna fight you but i'm going to protect myself and i'm going to try to stop the attack if i'm being attacked or if someone else is being attacked maybe i'm going to intervene story i've told a bunch of times i had this experience years ago at a punk show where i'm standing there watching the band and then the guy in front of me gets jumped and a bunch of guys start hitting him and um i non-violent so i don't 
intervene. But my buddy that I'm with, Sham, not nonviolent, jumps in, starts, you know, protecting the guy that looks like he's getting jumped. I um, later that evening, we found out that the guy that got jumped had just broken a bottle over the other guy's head in the parking lot. And this was retribution. And it wasn't just a kind of random. It wasn't a random violence. Uh, he wasn't just being jumped. He was being, you know, attacked back. Not that that means we don't protect someone, even if they deserve it. But for me, at that point, I was still in the place of like, oh, no, not 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 engaging. The, my teenage years were pretty violent, lots of fighting. When I stopped, when I started practicing Buddhism and took a vow of nonviolence, and I used to, you know, seem like I would get attacked sometimes un, unprovoked. When, you know, for the last 35 years, nobody's punched me in the face once. <laughs> and it happens to coincide with when I stopped stealing when I stopped picking fights, when I stopped being violent, nobody has randomly punched me in the face ever since. And it seems like when I was a kid, like I used to get punched all the time when I was lying and cheating. I was like, well, I stole your weed. I broke your window. I, you know, I, I put myself in all these situations where there was a lot of violence around me. And then once I started practicing and stopped behaving in that way, haven't been attacked, but again, maybe also some of that's privilege and situational in my in my life. All right, it's 8.30. Didn't look like there was any questions online. We'll end there for tonight. Don't think about Trump's titties. <laughs> <laughs> Class is done by donation. We're a nonprofit organization that is totally dependent on your generosity. Please be as generous as you can be. There's a, a link for the um, donations in the chat on the Zoom. Uh, suggested donation for drop-in is like $20, $25. If you can afford that, please give it. If you have more, give more. It's the end of the year. Um, actually, I, I need to just pause for a moment. I have somebody who has anonymously given for just for tonight a $500 matching donation. So if, if we can match it, if, um, so I, you have to give me a moment. Um, if you're willing to, um, uh, I'm gonna try to get $500 from you so that we actually have $1,000 for the night. So if you're willing to donate $100 towards matching that, you can either raise your hand in the room or you can raise your hand on the Zoom and I'll see you. And so that I'll know that $100 is coming in. Maybe that's too much. No hundreds. How about $50? Anybody willing to match with 50? So there's 50. Okay, we're $50 there. Okay, there's another 50. So we're 100. We need 400 bucks more. Um, $40? No 40s? 40? Okay, so we're at 140. We're at 160. We're at 200, we're at 240, we're at uh, 280, we're at 320, is that right? 350, 380, 20 or 30, 30, 3, uh, 410, we need 90 bucks. 
40 50 okay we're at 500 plus everyone who raised their hand online i didn't get what numbers you guys were doing but please it's year end it's you know it's helpful to against the stream extreme against the stream does run at a bit of a deficit so um you can if you've raised your hand to make the donation you can do it online um if you um want to do the you can do cash you can do venmo you can do paypal can we take the card right now or not our, car, our card reader is not working so paypal venmo cash you could write a check if you want to two more announcements um new year's eve is uh sunday the 31st coming up in a couple weeks uh we do a intention setting ceremony take the five precepts take refuge in the buddha dharma sangha light a candle set our intentions you're all invited you can register for that on the website and then january 14th which is a Sunday, right? Or Saturday? Sunday, I think. Sunday, June 14th. I have a, what's it? 14th Sunday. It's a Sunday. I have a day long meditation retreat, day long, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. sitting meditation, walking meditation, sitting meditation. That's also open for registration. Good way to start the new calendar year, New Year's Eve, do the you know day long in January. I am um, not going to be here next week. Ward Robinson will be subbing for me. I'm going back to Thailand for five days to interview my teacher, Ajahn Amaro, for this documentary that we're working on. So we're going to fly to Thailand and do the interview. And then uh, I'm going back to this monastery that we were at. Um, so I'll come back with some more good stories about Thailand. And um, I think Monday, uh, Christmas is a Monday. And I'm, I will teach because we're not Christians and it's not <laughs> Christmas doesn't exist. And then um, New Year's Day is also a Monday. So uh, I'll be teaching both Christmas night, not, not Eve, but Christmas Day night and uh, New Year's Day. So both of those, even though they're holidays, we'll be here meditating, join us, join us online, join us in person, 25th and the 1st are both Mondays, I believe. Okay. Many goodness that comes from our practice be shared outward in all directions with all living beings. May each one of us get as free as possible in this lifetime. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. See you in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.